and welcome to River Writers, a production of the Writers Guild of Astoria, supporting writers and the literary arts in Astoria, the North Coast, and the Lower Columbia region. Marianne Monson and I will be your hosts as River Writers embarks on a monthly conversation on the craft of writing. My name is Dale Olson. In addition to founding the Writers Guild, Marianne is a published author with a dozen books under her belt. Her latest book, Opera Sisters, is arriving at bookstores now. Welcome, Marianne. Hi, Dale. It's great to be here. Thank you. Oh, it, this is so exciting to me. This is our very first episode of River Riders on KMUN. That's it, right. Here we go. Launching I, off. It's our it's our maiden voyage. Yes. Full sails ahead. <laughs> so um, anyway, the, the, it's kind of uh, crazy how this all came about, um, having a radio program. But it, I, I think it, it originated pretty naturally just out of both um, yours and mine uh, and, and the, uh, the Writers Guild having a love of supporting uh, the writers here in this, in this area and hearing from, from them. And this is such a, a rich hotbed of creative people. Uh, we have like an endless supply of people to talk to and, you know, Pick their brains. It's so true. And I remember when we were at our board retreat for the guild up at the Southwester in March, and we were talking about how we could better accomplish our mission in the community. And you said we should have a KMUN radio show. <laughs> and we all thought that was a fabulous idea. Yeah, I was just trying to sound like I had a brilliant idea. <laughs> Which and you did. So all of you like looked at me and said, great, why don't you make a proposal for that? <laughs> but I'm, I'm delighted that it, that it came about, that we, we realized it just um, from kind of kicking the idea around very casually. Me too. I'm really excited about it. And everyone I've talked to about it so far has been excited too. Well, and we love KMUN. And we it's do. just such a natural fit. I mean, yeah, we're, we're just, so, we're so lucky to have this radio station in our community. We sure are. So, and they didn't pay me to say that. So, <laughs> well, so did you ever imagine that you'd be co-hosting a radio show for writers? No, I didn't actually. <laughs> I think I've done a lot of radio interviews, like being interviewed, and I've always enjoyed it. I, I think it's kind of magical, you know. I mean, it's such a, it's such an old art form, relatively old, you know, not ancient, but goes back uh, several decades, and and it's done a lot of good in the world. I love the old radio shows. I mean, it's just it's a neat art form. Well, radio uh, is where. Um, storytelling really kind of took off from mm -hmm. uh, just being book being confined to books and and oral tradition. Yeah, uh, radio elevated storytelling to um, reach the masses, mm -hmm. and uh, and I, I I think we're so um, innately uh, wired, you know, pre-wired for. Um, storytelling and and having a love of of stories and and that arc and the 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 hero's journey and the the mm -hmm. frustration and the obstacles and and um what they learn on the way so i yeah i to me radio is like almost i i i prefer it to television honestly because yeah. your imagination is uh, in play your imagination right. is uh, filling in the mm -hmm. pictures and 
the um the action you know better than any you know um, computer generated program could ever do that's right people just have to imagine what we look like and guess at our mismatched clothes or whatever so. <laughs> perfect well we are stunning we're stunningly gorgeous and you'll just have to fill in the rest of the blanks yourself so so marianne when did you know that you wanted to write um, when I was seven years old, I wrote in a journal, when I grow up, I want to write stories. Uh. So that's the earliest recorded memory I have of that. But um, I do have some early books I made. I think most kids do that. Like they staple books together with right. construction paper. And so, yeah, that was that was pretty thrilling. I, I don't remember a time when I wasn't writing. Actually, my earliest stories, I was dictating to my dad before I could physically write them. I'm lucky enough to still have some of those. So yeah, I've been a journal, a journal writer my whole life long. Well, my dad has saved those types of books that I, that I wrote in like second and third grade Mm -hmm. and um, gave them back to me a couple of years ago saying, I, these are, these are really good, Dale. I think you, I think you've got something here that, you know, you just need to put, I'm like, dad, you know, this isn't, uh, this isn't marketable, <laughs> <laughs> but he thinks so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which, uh, you know, I, I guess I have to say that he, 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 and my mom were my first fans. Yeah. Probably your parents were yeah, too. Yeah, absolutely. D- did yeah. anybody in your family write? Um, actually, my grandfather had a novel that he had like in the closet, and you know, would work on for years, and, and he never published it. So oh. when I published my first book, my dad said, "Your grandpa would be really proud of you." So yeah. Do you know what that book was about? I don't actually. Some of my cousins had read it. They they, they were telling me about it. The most recent family reunion apparently had some salacious bits to it. So oh, spicy. Yeah, yeah. yeah apparently. <laughs> <laughs> So when um, when you are ruminating on uh, you know the, a, a writing project that you want to start, what elements of a story grab you or show promise that it could possibly be developed into a book? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I write women's history mostly in the frontier era, um, and because I'm I'm, I work in both nonfiction and, and fiction, historical fiction, but because I'm basically looking for history that is still relevant in some way, I'm, I'm looking for connections between that time and now, so something that still has something to say to our modern world, right? Yeah. Um, and then obviously something that has a really good narrative arc. I mean, you just, you need a good inciting incident and you need... A climax and something that's gonna <laughs> keep you turning those pages, you know. So yeah, yeah, and and obstacles for the protagonist, I always yes. find are um, a good reason to keep reading. Yeah, because you want to know how, how do they overcome that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what, what do they do to turn thing turn their story around? Yeah, yeah, and I think that. You know, there's challenges in any given age. The last few years, we've seen a number of them. And when we look back in history, it just helps us have more context to understand a lot of these problems aren't actually that new, you know. And so we can look at how previous generations have faced them before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Describe your writing space and what what are the ideal writing conditions that you... uh, you know, that you look for to, you know, actually get some work done? 
Yeah. Well, um, so my ideal writing condition is actually where I used to write when I was a kid. I had this huge pine tree in my yard and it was so big that at the very center of it was kind of like this little secret place you know when the canopy is so large outside Mm -hmm. that there's like this little core around the trunk so I would go in there with a notebook and I would just sit there (laughs) in a tree (laughs) that's my idea I mean I don't write there very often anymore I'm like (laughs) don't have enough trees to sit in anymore (laughs) unfortunately and it's also hard to write a novel that way in like a spiral notebook unfortunately but um so now I just I have my writing desk it's in front of a window um, I can, I can look out at Astoria and, and see the river, a little glimpse of the river, not a big root view of the river, but a little one. Sometimes, um, it was kind of neat cause when I was working on Her Quiet Revolution, which had a lot of, uh, Welsh mythological, uh, aspects to it, there was a hawk that would come and sit on the branch wow. of this tree right outside my window. So the only time she ever came, she just came like every day for that week when I was writing that section and she's never come back since, but yeah. Po- possibly amused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like to think she was a Welsh cunning woman in disguise. <laughs> yeah, oh, how cool. Yeah. Don't yeah. you always, I always feel that um, that's like a gift when something like that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember uh, at a job I had where I... Uh, the window that uh, my desk was at, I could watch uh, some a uh, pair of red tail hawks that mm-hmm. were nesting mm. uh, in some trees across the street, and yeah. um, and I remember just how privileged I felt when I saw them uh, with their chick that had fledged, mm. and I and I watched them teach that chick how to hunt. Wow! They one of the parents carried a like a little rodent or something up into the sky huh. and then dropped it for the chick to huh. then, you know, swoop down and, yeah. and get. And um, I, ne- I never have seen anything like that before or mm. since. And uh, I just, I felt so lucky in that yeah. moment that I was paying attention. Yeah. And. Uh, yeah. Well, paying attention. I mean, that's, I think, the blessing of writing, right? Have mm-hmm. you written about that? That sounds like a poem. I, I've written like just a short account of it. Okay. To, and I think I sent it off to the Audubon Society uh, in Tacoma when I was living there. Hmm. Um, because I just, I to me, it was such an unusual uh, thing to witness. Yeah. I, I'm sure it happens all the time. Yeah. But, you know, how often are we just like still and quiet mm-hmm. and, you know, letting, you know, those... Um, those normal everyday occurrences in nature just kind of uh, reveal themselves to us. Yeah. It just, uh, it requires stillness on our part. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's kind of hard to come by. You almost have to make a conscious effort to Mm -hmm. be still in in this world. I do love that about writing. I think it helps train us to pay attention, Mm -hmm. you know, and to to, um, practice close observation. Yeah, I've um, gotten in the habit now of, of keeping a little notebook with me uh, in my in my purse or my book bag whenever I'm anywhere. Mm. And, and when there is kind of downtime and I'm just um, kind of 
watching or listening to whatever it is that's going on around me, making some notes mm-hmm. and 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 doing like what you're saying, paying attention. And um, there's there's just there's so much you can write about if mm-hmm. if you just take that little moment to you know jot down what you're observing or yeah. what your what thoughts are being provoked by by your surroundings. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I I imagine most people in Astoria know that you are the founder and president of the Writers Guild. Um, can you can you tell us the story of how the Writers Guild came into existence? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I moved here in August 2017 and tried looking to connect with writers in the community. Um, and certainly found some. I mean, there's a lot of wonderful writing, you know, happenings going on in Astoria. Um, but uh, I really loved the work Astoria Visual Arts was doing. And I wanted to see the equivalent for writers. Mm-hmm. You know, there was, there was no literary nonprofit, basically. And so um, I talked to a couple of my friends and said, hey, do you think this would be an idea? And they were just so enthusiastic about it. This town is just so encouraging to people's dreams, you know? Yeah. And that's one of my favorite things about it. So I had no idea how to start a nonprofit, but um, Lisa Smith, who was president of AVA at the time, she was a huge resource. The small business development center up at the college was a huge resource, Mm. and they helped me figure it out. So, yeah. And what what did you do in that first year once you were off the ground? How did you um, how did you uh, announce yourself to the the greater Astoria community and and get the attention of writers that hadn't known about you prior to that? Yeah, I mean, so we built a website and recruited a board, and so I really appreciate all of the people who have served on the board over those years. Um, in little and big ways, you know, everybody's played a part and contributed to it. But we started doing workshop series, which we mm-hmm. still do. We started working on Kim Stafford because he was coming. Uh, the Forest Visions Project um, was officially the sponsor, but we co-sponsored it yeah. and, and helped them to, to bring Kim to town, which was wonderful and just an incredibly inspiring event for all of us. And you had a really... Uh large and successful event um last year mm-hmm. in, in uh, 2021 yeah and tell us a little bit about that yeah in november 2021 we brought jericho brown to town and yeah it was a huge collective effort lots of uh, lots of good work went into that project and it was wonderful collaboration with the Heritage Museum here with the college um, and uh, Oregon Black Pioneers. So many hands make light work. But yeah, the, and, the, and the, of course the community itself was just so receptive. So many people turned out to the reading at the Liberty Theater. And anyone who got the pleasure of meeting Jericho just knows what a complete delight he was. So yeah. yeah. Uh, one thing that yeah. I that I really uh, treasured uh, from that um, time that he was here is that it not only introduced me to his writing, which I think is really uh, wonderful, and mm. and um, it's so honest and unvarnished. It just you know, kind of is almost like 
stabs you in the heart mm-hmm. at times because mm-hmm. it's the you know the 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 pain and um the pain of you know just relationships and uh acceptance and lack of acceptance is mm-hmm. is just so heartfelt in his writing but i loved that um that i was introduced to the the form of poetry that he himself developed the duplex mm-hmm. form and and i found that i really enjoyed writing poetry uh using that that form and um so that was like an unexpected gift and i think whenever you avail yourself to you know a new writer and uh and do a little bit of reading um you you are gonna if 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 you are at all concerned or care about your own writing you're looking for things that you can you know tools you can put in your tool belt yeah and and use for yourself yeah it expands your understanding of what's possible right I didn't know you were writing duplexes that's exciting well I mean I just I wrote I think I wrote three um you know when when he was here and Mm -hmm. and I was um fortunate enough to participate in the workshop that he held over at the college yeah and uh so anyway, I just, I love that the Writers Guild um, brings authors and artists like that into our community who we all benefit from and learn from. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a wonderful part of the Writers Guild mission. Thank you. Yeah, I agree. And so appreciate your work there. Um, and I do want to mention for our listeners, too, that if they miss the Jericho Brown event, that uh, KMUN very generously came and recorded the whole evening for us. And they can find both the reading and the interview that I did with him on the stage at the Liberty Theater uh, on YouTube. Yeah. So if you just search Jericho Brown, Astoria, Liberty Theater, it'll come up and they can still view it. That's great. Yeah. How, how do you see our writing community growing in the coming years? And, and how do you think um, our, our writing can be a force for good? Hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's, it's hard. I think we've all received a good lesson in staying humble about what might be ahead in the last few years, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't want to make any predictions. Um, but I, it's certainly a time of change in our community, right? Uh, and, and a time of, of flux right now. So I hope that we'll be able to to transition with that and and to meet the need and to hopefully get lots of input from from listeners from writers from readers about how we can best serve the community you know yeah well now your new book opera sisters how did you know you wanted to tell the story of ida and louise cook hmm so my grandfather served in the 10th mountain division in italy in world war ii so i was blessed to grow up with those stories you know Mm. um although like most veterans of the war he didn't talk about it very much uh but we did have his letters and um and some of his friends talked about it to my family more than more than he did but my grandmother actually served in the war inspecting machine gun ammunition in a Remington arms factory yeah (laughs) Good for her. <laughs> yeah. So my family was very much involved. Um, so I knew I had wanted to tell a story set during World War II, which is a little bit late for my most of my eras. My focus is on the um, the frontier era, really. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so it's a little bit late for me. But um, 
but I knew I wanted to because of the family connection. And so actually my editor, Heidi Taylor at Shadow Mountain Publishing, who I've done seven books with, um, she came across an article about Ida and Louise Cook and she sent it to me and she Mm. said, I think this would make a great novel. And I said, I agree. (laughs) So (laughs) you've got a great editor in your corner. I do. She's wonderful. And we love working together. I feel so lucky to have her in my corner. So that's wonderful. And, and, and once your book is published, Mm -hmm. what, 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 is your job after you know once it's you know out in the world what what yeah. what is your responsibility to help it be successful just tell people about it you know um let let you know post on social media do interviews on with media um just do my best to to get word out about it um yeah do, do you are you are you going to be on oprah <laughs> If Oprah wants to have me, I will go on Oprah. She hasn't asked me yet. Oh, well, I'm sure that call is going to be coming through any moment now. Probably. Well, you know, we've got a really wonderful um, event coming up this uh, late late in this fall um, to to help support the Writers Guild. And I'd like us to talk a minute about our literary ball, which will be happening November 19th at the River Sea Gallery. Um, how, how did that, uh, how did this annual event come about? So the first original board of the Writers Guild kind of came up with this concept and we approached Janine at River Sea Gallery and she was just so enthusiastic and supportive about it and basically said she would love to host us. And so we conceptualized it as just an evening to celebrate the literary arts and wordplay. People dress up in costumes like uh, their favorite book characters. That's, that's the part them. I'm looking forward to. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to come as Beatrix Potter. That's wonderful. You have the best costumes. <laughs> well, Beatrix Potter and I have a similar, you know, profile. <laughs> I always tend to dress up as redheads, too, strangely enough. <laughs> But if people don't want to come in costumes, they don't have to. They well, can there come is going anyway. to be a con- costume contest, so there. I don't know if, what the prize will be for the winner, but there, yeah. you know, everybody likes to be, you know, said, told that they they came in first at something. At so. something exactly. So you get bragging rights. That's right. Yeah, and we usually have a writing contest. Um, one year we had Andrew Zing doing poetry on demand. I wonder if we could get him to do that again. I'm gonna ask. But we have pop-up readings. We have um, several uh, great local authors who will be reading for us. Can you tell us who? Jennifer Monroe is going to, our AVA uh, W writer in resident. Yeah. And, of course, the big headliner is going to be Buzz Bissinger, who has a new book out. So, yeah, Friday Night Lights. That is something to put on your calendar just for that. Yeah, yeah, it'll be great. It'll be really, really great. So, yeah, and it's always just a wonderful time to be in um, Janine's beautiful space she's created, and there should be drinks and lots of books. And silent auctions. Silent auction items, yes. I'm going to be positioned at a table... uh, a zine making table so that's gonna be so fun yeah i'm just gonna have to probably turn hordes away because of the popularity of my activity there's buzz and there's (laughs) zines and what else do you need and costumes that's right costumes so yeah 
tell me what practices help you grow as a writer, Marianne? Oh, I don't know. You know, I was just thinking the other day, Dale, that if I could go and do my MFA program over again from start to finish, I would do it in a heartbeat if I didn't have to pay for it. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it's like it's a wonderful and a horrible thing about being a writer, right? Like you just know you can always do better. You can Mm -hmm. always get better. You can always improve. And I just heard Anthony Doerr speak at the Sun Valley Writers Conference, and I love his work, and it was just great to hear him talk. And anyway, it's just, um, yeah, it's a wonderful and a horrible thing. We can always be better. But, but listening to, to people who I know are much better writers than myself, like that's really helpful to me. Um, I tend to read their books when I find a book that I really connect with, like his All the Light We Cannot See, which is a World War II novel. And I was reading that when I was working on mine. You know, I just read it like a textbook. I kind of take it apart. Like, how was this laid out? How is this plotting working? How is he developing these characters? How is he constructing his sentences? Just really trying to analyze it. Not to copy it, but just to understand it. Yeah, it's almost yeah. like a tutorial mm-hmm. on how to write well. Yeah. Uh, I, I have done the same thing with, um, oh, a Brian Doyle book mm. that I just uh, adore. Uh, it's called um, John Carson, The Adventures of John Carson in Four Quarters uh-huh. of the World. It's kind of a lengthy mouthful to mm-hmm. say i probably got it like wrong Ryan Doyle. no it's fine yeah <laughs> but but the but, but that but the whole story is told um from the perspective of um uh robert lewis stevenson living in san francisco mm-hmm. and living with uh, a storyteller yeah in oh, a boarding neat. house and and so he sprinkles throughout the story little um uh, advice on mm-hmm. how to tell a story well and what makes a good story. Oh, that's great. And so the second time I read through that book, I read through it with a, a, a highlighter mm-hmm, because smart. it's, I mean, I love Brian Doyle's writing anyway. Yeah. But um, yeah, and I think the writers that really speak to us, that really resonate with us, like those are the writers that we have the most to learn from, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So my last question for you is, which book do you want to be remembered for and why? (laughs) Um, You know, it's funny, like, books are like children in that you love them all. But I also think that you love the one that you're working on right now the best. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. The Opera Sister is my favorite so far. But. So the Opera Sister is, is number one in your heart. But probably right now. the one I'm going to write three years from now is, you know. Well, we can't five. wait to hear what that is, and you'll Thanks, just have Jill. to tell us all about it another time. Sounds good. <laughs> I'd love oh. to. Well, this has been lovely launching River Riders with you, Marianne. We're, we've broken the bottle of champagne against the hull, and we're officially in the water now. We're off. Yes. Thank you, Dale. I'm so glad you had this idea. It's it's wonderful to see it come together. Well, I'm just uh, thrilled just anticipating all of the writers here on the North Coast and the Astoria area and Lower Columbia, all of those writers that we're going to have a chance to talk with and learn from. And I hope all of our listeners will tune in every month uh, to to get that uh, same experience that we're we're anticipating. I'd like to thank uh, my dad, John Parks, for composing and playing the River Riders theme song. 
The Writers Guild of Astoria is a 501c3 nonprofit organization serving writers in Oregon and Washington. More information about upcoming literary events can be found at www.thewritersguild.org. Until next time, keep the words flowing and your pencil sharp. I'm Dale Olson with Marianne Monson for River Riders. Mm-hmm.